when we look at individuals' uh, personal development, many uh, areas of focus are based upon being male or being female. What doors are open, what doors are closed, what resources are available, what expectations are there for each. Um, we are socialized to understand our roles and the, the um, behaviors that come from those roles. So as a woman, I'm a mother, um, I'm a wife, and so the expectations of my relationship in marriage, my relationship to my children, I should be nurturing. Now I'm also a very directed kind of individual, so I can be pretty uh, direct and honest and upfront with my kids. And um, we used to laugh when they were little, if one child got something over another child, um, why did they get that? I used to just joke and go, oh, because I love them better. And my kids would go, no, you don't. You don't love them better. And I'd go, oh, well, then I guess that's not the case, huh? Because the first thing when a kid's asking you in that's competition is, you like them more than you like me. Not at all. But if you're going to name it, I'm going to claim it. We're going to be fine with that. So when we're looking at sex and gender differences, sex are the biological aspects of an individual, what makes you male and makes you female. And gender are the social aspects that come along with those, the roles and the expectations. Um, in the world today, uh, the, the roles I think are becoming much more ambiguous. I work through an adoption agency and we will um, only place with two parent families. That's the population of girls that we have come in that we work with are those that are looking for a mother and a father for their child. And so sometimes we'll offend someone who wants to be a single parent, a male or a female, and we're like, we don't mean to do that. This is just our design. We'll gladly refer you to another agency that would place with you, but this is the design of our program. And so we see the need for both the male and the female within the home, and the girls that choose to place with us also connect on that level to have that balance. Um, but I've met several families to where maybe the wife will work outside the home and the husband will be the stay-home parent and homeschool the kids. And so in some communities, those would be, um, those roles should be opposite. And so that's one aspect of socialization is you are normed by the family that you live in to have the views that come with um, being male and female. I am a working mom. I have always had career choices that or career opportunities that um, avail to me the ability to flex off and be with my children, go on field trips, be the PTO president and things like that. But I can remember one of my professors who um, would say, oh, JJ's pregnant and having a baby. I bet you she'll stay home and um, be a, uh, a stay-at-home mom. That was not my personality and nature. That was not the agreement, you know, and understanding that my husband and I developed. But I'm very much the hands-on parent. And, you know, we may be up in the evening baking cupcakes and taking them into school and I'll volunteer anywhere I can because I've always had a leadership, social work, managerial kind of position. And now with a teaching schedule, I have the ability to flex off when I can and spend time with my family. And so I see very much my role being defined, but I also understand the biblical roles and expectation of family, you know, the man being very involved in his family. We can't have husbands working out of the home, two and three jobs while the wife's staying at home and the husband spending no time with the children. The husbands need to be able to engage, be that role model that the kids have um, to, to show them their own family values and expectations. And so when we're looking at um, gender roles and those determinations, being able to see that each individual that your child comes in contact with, each individual that you come in contact with, um, help you to find them down. 
um, when I was single, my last name was a mouthful. And so I love the fact that my last name is Cole, very simple. And my husband used to introduce me as his fiance, whose last name was dying to be changed. Uh, people struggled so much with my last name that I don't think they really thought of my first name being JJ. And um, so at times now I'll leave a message on, you know, please contact JJ Colback. And when the messages were just written down, I would always be amazed at how quickly men would call me back thinking that I was male and ask for Mr. Cole. And I would get on the phone in my nicest little girl voice and be like, hello. And oh my, I'm so sorry. I thought that you were a man. No, but I could use that to my advantage. I seldom say, please have them call Mrs. Cole. I would leave, please have them call JJ Cole because I know in the business world, that was a way I could connect so much quicker or significantly. Um, we may have some cultural um, overlapping when it comes to expectations of male and female. I have a friend from Brazil who's in her 30s and single and said, I would not be allowed to be independent of my family living outside their home because I'm single. In my country, you stay home until you're married. We're here, she has um, a career, she has a home that she's bought, and she's very independent. She's still very much uh, connected with her cultural raisings and an understanding of what's expected of her, but enjoys what we have available here in the United States for her as an individual living within um, our culture and community. Uh, whether international expectations, I'm from Miami. I had a lot of um, Cuban friends, and I could think of the girls having to have chaperones on dates and the boys not. I think people have always been raised with the, the differences between maybe a male curfew and a female curfew and expectation. Those are all pieces that are just the social implications that come from it. Within a school system, the um, adults that interact with kids really are role models for them. And so it's important for teachers and counselors and advisors to work with students to help them to be able to define down what they would like to accomplish in life um, to develop a better understanding of who they are. And so, you know, it's very important when we're looking at counseling, if people are struggling with their identity, with who they are. Um, we've looked through, um, you know, the different materials of, of counseling and social work to understand that um, how we see the world around us helps us have a better understanding of who we are, being able to engage um, the feedback that we get from our peers and from our parents, um, helping us then be able to frame ourselves better. For me, I love to have those open dialogues with my kids to set boundaries with them and to um, help them kind of make good decisions. I want them to be independent of me, but I want them to understand our expectations. And um, it's so funny listening to my 17-year-old son who's like, when I turn 18, I'm getting a tattoo and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I laugh because I'm like, you know what? I want a tattoo. Maybe I'll go with you. And he'll be like, ew. And I'm like, you can have a tattoo and I can't have a tattoo. And he's like, moms shouldn't have tattoos. And we start laughing because what, what a silly kind of mindset and who really cares who has a tattoo or not. But for him, he wants a tattoo because he wants to be a man and he wants to be virile and da, 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 da. And I just laugh. I'm like, tattoos are fun. You know, I, who would care if you have it or not? Maybe not all over you, but being able to have something like that can be um, quite enjoyable. And so when we sit and we do those dialogues, not, you know, you can't do that when you're 18. I'll just be like, okay, I might go along for the ride or da, 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 da. The other side of it is when you're 18 and you're out on your own and you're independent and you can pay for everything on your own, I think that's totally cool. 
But if you're living on my dime, as we joke in our family, then you're still going to have some expectations for behaviors and, um, you know, being able to enjoy that. I have a friend whose daughter's away at college, and she said, if college isn't for you, we've signed a lease on that apartment for a year. So if you decide not to go back second semester, plan to get a job, plan to pay your rent, pay for your car, and live down there. And then in a year when your lease is up, you can move back up here and you can decide what else you want to do. Those are just setting normal expectations. When we look at male-female roles, at times people will be... Um, it's okay for there to be a female doctor, but they may struggle with a male nurse. Now we know through medical training, a nurse has one skill set, a nurse practitioner another, a physician's assistant another, and a physician another. The level of academics you do, your GPA, what your interest is, all those things um, overlay those things. Uh, my mother was in the hospital and she's older. She's in her 80s and had a male nurse. And she said, you don't want to go on to be a doctor? And he said, no, I really like this. There's a calling for me. I want to maybe go overseas. I know I want to be a traveling nurse. This degree and this training and specialization will really be helpful to open the doors of exactly what I want to do with my life. And she goes, oh, that's too bad. I could tell you'd be a good doctor. And I'm like, how can you tell? He's been here five minutes. He's engaged, interacted with you. He's not done one doctorly kind of thing. Well, she could tell he'd be a good doctor because he was male. And so in her mind, to be male and to stop with being a nurse, that was problematic. Now, that's being in your 80s. And so I could dialogue and say, this is going to be a really fun story in my sociology class. Please don't, don't think it's problematic that you want to do what you want to do. And he and I chit-chatted. And one of the things I realized, the core value um, of behavior back when my mom was younger was very, these are the roles men can have, these are the roles women can have, and they should not change. Where now in today's culture, we have females that are wrestling um, on teams that also have males on there. People having to come up and talk about how do they feel about that. Mixed um, athletic teams of all area trying to figure out, you know, is that fair to have a mixed team compete against an all-female team? How does that play out? What's the strength base there? And so when we're looking and defining down um, the, the roles within us, biology plays a big part, our hormonal um, interactions. We have seen people in today's culture that define themselves down as transgendered, that they um, feel that they're a male trapped in a female body or vice versa. But we've also seen research on um, one situation where there were two male twins and when they were being circumcised, um, the doctor uh, made a mistake and malpractice and um, injured the child in such a way that they had to remove his penis and started giving him hormones to um, make him be female. And you know, now that he's an adult, one of his concerns was, I always felt like I was male. I always had those kind of um, behaviors, thoughts, feelings, and patterns, and none of my family would ever tell me that I had been born male, but due to this um, issue surgically, uh, was chosen for me to be female. And it was a very big test case because it was very much more um, nurture maybe than nature. And the doctors just felt with counseling and with hormones, he would embrace the role that he had as being female. And, you know, the case now, um, he's gone back. He's been surgically um, turned back into a male and he lives his life as a male and he's married. And so when we, we see those kind of studies, we also see the nature-nurture conflict. Is it just the way that we are genetically predisposed 
or is it the environment that we're raised in? And most sociologists believe it's both, that um, you know who you are, what you're developed to be, what you're socialized. I was raised in a two-parent family where my mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad uh, was in the military. And so there was never um, really a conversation that you should stay home or you should work. That was what was modeled for me was stay home. And when I found myself in college, I found myself directed toward being a working, a working woman and then a working mother. Um, and that's just a personal value system. I'm not saying it's right or wrong for any individual as they choose, but to understand that even our thoughts on that process come from how we're socialized and um, how we are raised to think. And I always put it out there for all the students that I'm working with, guys, really stop and think about what it is that you would like to see in your wife because you need to make that clear. Girls, you also need to be able to make it clear. If you don't see yourself being a working individual, then you know, talk about that. How would you make ends meet if you're a stay-home um, person you know, and vice versa? And so it's important as we're looking through culture and community to see that our family, our, the environment we're raised in, the community we're raised in, those are all things that overlay the decisions that we make, but also the biology and the socialization also kind of support them and then we have to follow after what it is that God's called us to do. How has he um, directed us? What are our skills and our talents? What are our spiritual gifts? What are the callings that we have from God on our lives to kind of make that whole package and um, move forward and being meaningful within the community that we're in, um, within the church that we're in, within our family, bringing all those things to the table so we can see much more success in our lives and also in our livelihoods and also in our ministry so that we can feel um, the hand of God in every aspect of who we are.